Like you could have your own like anime show right yesy and Chrissy. we could be like characters like cartoon characters mm-hmm. yeah we could just be like random fbi girls yeah <laughs> like we already are anyway well you and i did not meet in miami but chrissy was telling me that she met you and like i'm just i'm sad that i did it but that's awesome <laughs> yeah we had an awesome um little meet we had a little hang um it was really fun was it just that one show you played or what else what else did you do in miami uh, I did Ultra and then I did the after party, which was at Mana Winwood. And that's where we met, right? Yeah. Yeah. That night was pretty crazy, to be honest. Like the production was good. Everyone was in a good mood. Did you have fun that night? I had so much fun. And then I ended up going with my management team to Eleven, which is a strip club. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like five in the morning. And then Word. it got even better because um, someone ordered like chicken nuggets. They were at McDonald's. These were like bougie nuggets. Someone ordered like, a hundred pack or something of nuggets to the club and I turn around and like I'm just chilling like I wasn't having like a big night and it was 5 a.m and I was really hungry and there's just a giant thing of nuggets in the middle of a strip club I was like this is living this is the standard now word yeah that's <laughs> nuggets amazing in a strip club. honestly yeah. like I might have to DoorDash myself nuggets next time I'm in the club <laughs> yeah I did I've never thought of that before and it's literally genius I'm like out of all the times I've been sitting in a green room, like really hungry, even at my own shows, I sit there and I'm like, oh, I'm so hungry. And I'll like, I'll go through like a jar of pickles or something that's on my rider. I could be ordering a pizza. Literally. Even if I'm like at a, at, at like a concert, like a show that I'm going to, like that has nothing to do with me. Like, why am I not ordering a pizza? And just no standing way. in the crowd with a giant box of pizza. Just handing Dude. it out, making new friends. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they'd let that you in actually... with that though? Even if you're not playing? No way. Maybe I can order it and put it, maybe like a medium pizza. Uh, I like a medium pizza and like put it under my hoodie. Backs <laughs> like I have like a like square. Yeah. Or yeah. I need like a giant handbag, like a giant, like, yeah. put, like a large pizza box. Just say it's part of your outfit. It's, it's, it's a look, you know? Yeah. I feel like if I add some spikes onto it, they'd be like, yeah, that is a handbag. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like you can get away with anything if you put some spikes on it. <laughs> Or you could be like, you could be super sketch and have the DoorDash guy go in the back door. Like at the warehouse, I'm just thinking like drop a pin back where the green rooms were. There's got to be an exit back there that he could just drop the pizza off at. That's definitely a strategy that a genius artist out there has worked out and does this like every single time and orders like sushi and like nuggets and burgers and delicious stuff. And they've definitely nailed a routine and we need to like the dubstep FBI, you guys need to find out who this person is and, and get their like their game plan off them. Yeah, we're hot on their trail. Yeah, oh, yeah. let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll assist any way I can. <laughs> you know what festivals need to do, though? Like, obviously, they have all these food vendors at these festivals. It'd be cool if, like, as an artist, you can order a drone to pick up food from these mm-hmm. trailers and just deliver it to your green room, you know? That would instead be so of, awesome. Instead of you, like, having to go into the crowd, walk through everyone, and potentially running into fans, stopping you to take pictures, which I'm not saying is bad, but sometimes there's instances where you just, like, want to go get food, then go back to your room. 
you know yeah like I I love walking through the crowd normally it shows because I think it's fun and like then I get to go watch the show from like not backstage everyone thinks that backstage is the best spot to watch a show from no and it's not it sounds like shit. You don't get to see the visuals. Um, so I like walking around and like going on, like, I like to think of it like when I'm at a festival or like an event, like a big venue, like as like going off on side quests. But one a thing I will quest. say is if like, if someone is getting between me and I'm like heading to the food, like I have such a serious like hanger issue. Like the yeah. demon comes out of me when I'm hungry and I just, I, I feel horrible for like anyone who gets in the way. If I'm like on the way and I know there's a pizza that's like 50 meters away that has my name on it and it's ready and the cheese is all melted and someone's mm-hmm. sitting there wanting to talk, I'm going to be like, I will like plow through them. Especially if yeah. you're wearing like platform boots or something and you're all dressed <laughs> yeah. in leather, you're just like, get yeah. out of my way. <laughs> yeah. I take no responsibility for me when, I, when I'm hangry. Um, I try to be an upstanding citizen the rest of the time but like I just take no responsibility so like just don't ever please get in my way when I'm really hungry any other time come and say hello chat to me show me photos of your dog anything is okay I was just thinking you heard it here first (laughs) yeah um the other night we went out I think it was Friday Yessie or maybe Saturday so we just came off of a five show run in three days we did three shows last Friday night a show Saturday night and then a show Sunday night And one of those nights I didn't eat dinner. I think it might've been Saturday night. And I just remember like being in the venue being like, I am so freaking hungry right now, but I'm also (laughs) super drunk and I really don't even care. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, yeah, I'm super hungover. I probably should have eaten. That was, that was Friday night. I remember. (laughs) Yeah. That that mistake. (laughs) Eating really makes a difference between waking up feeling like, okay like yeah I made some questionable decisions but everything's okay or like thinking that you've like destroyed your life and you're, you know like you know and you wake up and you're like I'm never drinking again and at, in that yeah. moment you mean it with every cell in your body yeah literally and then, That's and then where, I'll like, find myself drinking helped. like later on in the day <laughs> yeah yeah I try um I, I always try and eat if I like have a few drinks um and I also have like a hydrolyte before I go to bed and that has been a game changer for me absolute game changer oh hydrolyte you said yeah i mean okay. you guys have uh, hydrolyte yeah. here it's just like the little uh electrolyte like fizzy things like like you dissolve in water that are like extra mm-hmm. hydrating liquid oh. iv kind of yeah, yeah yeah i've seen those hell yeah 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 just like the little health things they come in like a little bottle thing and they're like little tablets you put in they dissolve they taste like orange and they hydrate the shit out of you Yes. I need to keep like a gallon of Pedialyte in my house just so that I can chug a cup of it before bed. Yeah. That would actually, yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of Noon. Have you had those before? Those tablets as well? No. What are they? N-U-U-N. It's pretty much the same concept, but yeah, it's like these tablets. They have like different flavors that you could just throw into your water bottle and yeah, they're electrolytes. (laughs) I see that there's also anti-hangover tablets now. I haven't had like a big night in a long time. I'm like, maybe I'm finally growing up. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, <laughs> but like, I just keep seeing these anti-hangover tablets in CVS here. And they're kind of like, and like Ralph's and like, I even saw some in Trader Joe's, I think. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is genius. Mm-hmm. And I actually bought some, but I just haven't had enough drinks out, surprisingly, to like, muster taking it i feel like i've got to have like a big night and then try them to know if they really work if i have like like two drinks if i've got like if i have like two tequila sodas or even three it's not enough to like put these tablets to the test so Mm -hmm. like someone between the three of us has got to get like fucked up 
and then try the tablets just to know if they work. And then after that, you know, like be responsible. I would volunteer as tribute. We're seeing Skrillex at Red Rocks <laughs> this weekend and I'm kind of like mentally preparing for that. <laughs> Wait, that's this weekend? I was going to go, but oh my God, I thought I had like three months. Oh my God, it is this weekend. Yeah, Dude. no, it's Saturday. Yeah. That is so close. What day is today? Wednesday? It's- mm-hmm. Yeah, Wednesday. I Oh my God, <laughs> literally the days are flying by. Like, I don't get it. I literally, after this after this weekend, it was technically my birthday weekend. So we, that's why I went ham all weekend. <laughs> and then I remember after Sunday night, after that, uh, sudden death red rock show, which was amazing. But mm-hmm. after that, I was like, all right, no more shows at all. And then Chrissy's like, but we have Skrillex this upcoming weekend. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. No more shows after Skrillex. <laughs> yeah. And then it's there something after that. And then of course it's going to be something after that. And then yeah. we have one of our artists like as of this recording we have one of our artists playing a show tomorrow so i'm just like good lord like these shows it's festival season baby so mm-hmm. shows are never ending <laughs> hydrolyte hydrolyte stay hydrated i will try yeah. that you should also look into this uh this new pill that i just bought it's called party smart i don't know if you've heard of it um uh, but it's basically like this it, like did it work for you chrissy it, it works for me for the mm-hmm. most part but yeah. basically it's this pill that you take right when you start having your first drink the night before. Oh, I've heard of, I've seen these. I feel like I've, I saw an ad for these. Yeah. Yeah. If you go on Amazon, it's called Party Smart. Um, and I've been drinking those. I had those pretty much the whole weekend, this last weekend. And I didn't feel any hangovers at all. I just felt tired, but no hangover. The world of tech and medicine is getting very exciting. Like, I mean, not that like the most exciting thing is a breakthrough in like the world of hangovers, but. It's nice to know that that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I wish that that was there like when I was like 19 or when I was going out and like just smashing really? like tequila. Oh my God, I used to drink and I'm so ashamed of this. I used to drink tequila sunrises and now I just, I cannot have anything in a drink unless it's like soda water because juice makes me so, like makes me want to vomit. Um, and I wish that these pills were around when I was 19 drinking double tequila sunrises. Um, I'm, I traumatized myself with that. Oh my god! Never again. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I've been I, I've been like really off drinking though. Like I've always like loved like you know like red wine and stuff like that. But like lately, I've just been in like environments. I think it happened when I was in Australia recently. Like I just like became like even more of like a, an introvert and like just being like a hermit. Like I love like not leaving my house. Like I'm currently only wearing like something like from like the top up. I'm I'm because it's a podcast. I mean, I'm wearing clothes, but yeah. you know, like. The typical Zoom look, right? Like yeah, when I log yeah. in for my work meetings, I only have a shirt on and then they don't have to see that I'm only in my underwear. Yeah, <laughs> I very much got that going on today. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm just like feeling, I think it's actually because I'm back in America and like edibles and weed legal here. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, in, I'm, I'm in my edibles era. Um, they're helping me sleep. They're like calling down that. like off the rails like ADHD um and I'm just like having them instead of drinking and I'm even like I went out the other night I had like an edible and I was like oh I feel great (laughs) I'm just gonna sip on some water all night and then I'm gonna go to bed like Mm -hmm. so that's the era I'm entering um the edible era yeah yeah. I haven't had an edible era and I'm so ready for it I think this is my time and I think I'm gonna thrive and this is gonna be like the greatest era yet yes (laughs) <laughs> no, I've been, I've been hitting my, like recently I got into the wax pens. 
like, yeah, I've hit them before. Like if friends have them, but recently I got one myself and it really actually helps me fall asleep. Whereas Chrissy, mm-hmm. on the other hand, weed wakes her no. up and keeps her up all night. But for me, I can't. I usually take a hit from it. Like if I'm having trouble going to sleep, I'll just take a hit out of my pen, watch Disney movies or something. And I'll like knock out. I don't remember falling asleep. I just get so high just from like one hit. <laughs> <I'm such a laughs> <lightweight. laughs> wait, wait, so Lu- Lucille, where are you tuning in from? Uh, I'm back at my place in LA. It's a bit of a mess behind me. We're kind of like starting to set up to move out. Um, We move in a month. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm back at my LA place. Where are you moving to? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I could be moving to, like, I'm, I'm moving somewhere in LA, but I haven't decided what area. We have a ton of uh, apartment inspections. It's just somewhere in LA that's going to be, like, convenient and nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great and, spot to be at, especially for cannabis, you know? <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a dispensary across the road from me, um, which is Ooh, that's how dangerous. I began. Yeah, it's how I began my edibles journey. And the girl knows you by first name. She comes in, she's like, "How did that sleep one go?" And I was like, "Great! What have you got for me today?" It's yeah, really, like, fun. It up. Yeah, it's it's so good. Like I've I've got like chronic insomnia. I've had it for like at least seven years. Like, and I've been into sleep clinics. It's never really been fixed. So I've been on hardcore sleeping medication, which has been just slowly making me like a little bit more insane than I was before it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and taking like an edible, like the indica ones, like just one a night, like I'm human again. It's so nice. And then I went back to Australia and I like fucked my cycle up because um, edibles aren't legal there. Yeah. Like I, I don't know why, like they're not legal everywhere, especially mm-hmm. for stuff like, like sleeping. Um, mm-hmm. Very frustrating. Yeah. And At like medical, you know, that's what I was going to say, like treating patients. Cause I know that, um, THC has been proven to help cancer patients and like people with Parkinson's and stuff like that. Yeah. And like the research there is all like, it's getting better and better. And like the results are getting better to like Australia is such a phenomenal country and I love it so much, but I just wish that they would legalize like weed and edibles. That's like the one but, mark they yeah. have on their record right now. That's like a pretty good mark to have in the scheme of things. Like there's not like no offense to America, but you know, we don't have like the yeah. school shootings or any of that oh stuff. Gosh, it's yeah. like, we just don't have edibles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only man. downside. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would love to go out to Australia just to like check out like the hard dance scene, for example, because mm-hmm. Chrissy and I love hard dance and even just the dubstep scene out there in general. I feel like there's a pretty big scene out there. Right. Would you say? Not for dubstep. Uh, no. Dubstep is a genre that never really took off in Australia. For certain, we have certain festivals, like there's one called Touch Base, which is a bass one, and they bring out dubstep acts. Like I think they just had Sudden Death um, and Excision maybe the year before. But like overall, like there's a lot of really killer dubstep producers from Australia. Like Leo Tricks is a great one. Um, and we have this really cool underground community of dubstep producers, but dubstep like never really gets played in clubs, like ever. Um yeah, but hard dance. Uh, not a lot that I was so much in when I was in Australia, but I know that there is a pretty crazy hard dance community. That's like the Defcon One mm-hmm. kind of world, right? Yeah, that's like a, a massive community. It's not really a community that I ever saw too much because it's quite separate, but it's like a big community in Australia. Yeah. So you should. <laughs> we, there's some like there's some crazy festivals and and like hard dance and like hard style events there. Yeah, one of these days we'll make it out there. 
cool. Yeah, yeah, you have to. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I are really big travelers. So it's cool to see. It's cool to like talk to artists who are from other countries and then like got their start in America. How did you break into the American scene? Uh, well, I've only been touring here for a year. Um, I flew over for the first time to America 2019. I've been doing a lot of shows and like I've been touring a lot um, of Asia and Australia and I've been doing like my headline shows and I've been doing festivals and stuff. But like I knew that my my main market like globally would be America. Um, I wanted a manager and I was like, I don't know anyone there. And like for me, like uh, I'm a bit intense to work with. Like I'm just, I'm super involved in all my stuff. Um, I'm like very heavy and specific with like my creative side of what I want to do. Um, and I just wanted to, like, I face value for me is really important with people I work with. So I booked a flight and I went over there. Um, I knew a few like people who like knew a few managers and stuff. So I, I kind of, yeah, 2019, I booked a flight. I came over, messaged all these managers and management companies and was like, Hey, I need to be here. I'm great. I have lots of music. Let's work. Um, and everything got lined up. Very, very exciting stuff got lined up. Wow. And then COVID happened and I couldn't leave the country for two years. So last yeah. year in April or May, uh, mm-hmm. I moved over and yeah, it was, it was good. Um, we did some like really amazing festivals like Lollapalooza and like Bonnaroo mm-hmm. and Hot Summer and stuff. And we did some club shows, but we were like, we were super focused on the festival stuff. Um, and I got to do some pretty crazy stuff. Like I did like a show in New York um, with Elenium, like a stadium show. Um, Ooh, we did yeah. some really cool stuff. <laughs> so yeah, so that was my like start in America. I've only been touring here for a year, but I feel like I've been around for longer here, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. It's just because I think like my team's American and like a lot of artists that I work with are American. So it kind of felt like I was here. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned last April because I actually discovered you about a year ago when you released your Patient X EP. And I just remember like seeing the co- the art and like the photo shoot that you did for that. And I was like, who is this baddie? <laughs> like, and then Same. I automatically just started following you and like looking into all of your stuff. And I just think it's super cool how you have like this aesthetic and you have like this narrative where you're embracing chaos and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm just curious, like, how did you first come up with that? Um, I'm a massive gamer. Um, and I love anime and like all things fantasy. So like for me, like I've been like a hardcore gamer since I was a kid, my whole family gamers. So like the idea of like immersing yourself in like an alternate world where like you're a character and you have like, you know, your own like attributes and like quests and enemies and stuff to kill. Like I've always been really obsessed with that. I think as a kid, I used to spend like way too much time daydreaming. And then it's a habit that never broke that everyone thought would as I grew up. Um, So I spend a lot of time like, just daydreaming and like fantasizing about things, you know, and it might be like me fantasizing like that I am this character. And when I play games and like read books or like watch anime, like I love to like become that character. Like while I'm, while I'm like, while I'm reading it, like I pretend that I am them. And then I like sometimes go about my day thinking like, Oh, like what would this character be doing right now? Like, would they be doing this or would they be doing that? Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway. So like, I've been wanting to like bring these character concepts to life because I am Lucille, but Mm -hmm. I'm like 50 other things as well, just depending on what my environment is. And Patient X um, was the first of many characters. She was kind of inspired a bit out of like my love for games, like Resident Evil and stuff. But yeah, like that was just like this character that I built. I wanted to be like empowering. I wanted her to be like 
in your face and I wanted people to like look at it and be like oh whoa okay I wanted it to be like provoking because this was my like fuck you and like this is what I'm doing this is what I am as a woman and as an artist to like the industry and the world and to everyone who had like ever told me that like I'm not going to make it or like I'm doing this wrong or I can't do that because I'm a woman like I have to dress a certain way I have to talk a certain way online and I was like this is bullshit I'm going to create a character to like just put all of my anger and rage into and mm-hmm. just play it out. So that's why there are a lot of weapons. I mean, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a huge lover of weapons, but like, that's why she had weapons and stuff. This was like, this is my outlet for like fighting back against all of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. So is there like a video game in, in particular or any collection of video games that gave you this sort of inspiration? Um, Patient X specifically, um, kind of. Something like Resident Evil, I would say. Um, also the movie, actually, than the game with Mila Jovovich, where she was kind of like this uh, person who was like uh, high, high-tech security working for this lab and they had a zombie breakout and she kind of was secretly taking them down. Um, I was kind of thinking of Resident Evil and Doom. Um, I'm a huge lover of like the lore of the Doom games um, and like cool. first person shooter style stuff. So like, it's something that I definitely want to continue to bring into my music. Um, and like, I'd actually really love to put myself more into gaming world, like um, whether it's like writing songs with stuff or like, I don't know, like even like creating some kind of game in the future, that would be really fun. Ooh, that'd be sick. Um, yeah. I haven't seen like, I haven't seen any of your shows live, if I'm being honest. So like, I don't know what your visuals look like, but it'd be kind of cool to make it look like people are in a video game or something you know or like yeah yeah at the moment my visuals is mostly like uh it's a lot of the patient x video stuff that I did so it's like me holding like a giant sword or like a gag or a whip and it's just me like you know covered in blood and then me holding a sword and kind of fun stuff like that yeah I love like that whole press shoot that you did like I remember when I received that press kit from uh, some of your press team at the time like I was just like like same with like Chrissy said I was like mm-hmm. these are so badass like who the hell is this and like I need to listen <laughs> to her music now <laughs> like yeah so ever since then we've been investigating you and now th- we finally made this happen yeah well what are the conclusions that you've come to with your investigation that you're a freaking alpha and that you're living in 2030 <laughs> <laughs> and you're a tequila girl yes mm-hmm. actually we'll get along we just are fine. too <laughs> it sounds like you have accurately and efficiently done your research they are all correct so then, i mean like tequila girl yes. yes yes we we all are tequila girls so i guess tequila I equals tequila alpha always, yeah tequila girls always like bonds together i feel like when you're out at an event and you like meet girls for the first time you can tell who the tequila girls are and you like flock to each other you're like, yeah, no, absolutely. we get it. We're absolutely. on the same wavelength. I used yeah. to be a vodka girl in college, but then I realized that it made me too white girl wasted. And I was like, <laughs> I need to get on a different high here. So tequila is <laughs> the more mature choice. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So I just, I want to quickly ask you, so you recently released the Valentine effect. So what is that character that you're portraying in that project? That character? Okay. So patient X was kind of like, she was a bit twisted but she was kind of like the protagonist she was like saving and uh oh what's the word okay i can't think of the word she was kind of like 
like destroying like the evil in the music industry like the evil corporation that storyline was like the, the shitty parts of the music industry and like the sexism and everything mm-hmm. the valentine effect is a character which i've called her valentine since i was a kid uh, my mom thought i was a bit crazy she probably still does you know how we all have more than one monologue in our head and usually like you have like this voice that you listen to that's like the good one like don't do that like that's a bad idea like let's you know probably the one that's telling you to like put the tequila bottle down um yeah. and etc but <laughs> like there's to also that one. <laughs> yeah but like there's another voice in your head and it's part of you and it's like the darker a little bit more like twisted side that's sometimes like an evil conscience that we all have that's sometimes egging us on to do something and the ep and the ep is about like life and death and me thinking about it how people are either dying to live or they're living to die. And I think so many people and society as a whole, we're just so obsessed with preventing and prolonging death and like our appearance of aging and stuff that like we're not living. Like people won't go out and do things because they're like, oh, like that might like, you know, be like slightly bad for like this or like you know I won't run because it might be bad for my knees or like I might not do that because there's a slight risk there might be a 0.01% chance I might die like you know if you're skydiving or something Mm -hmm. but it's also down to like things like you know um sometimes that voice is saying like hey quit your job buy a one-way ticket to like Paris or something or like break up with your boyfriend who sucks go date Mm -hmm. a girl you know like it it can be like in any scenario but like I think like my EP is about that voice who I call Valentine who's like my slightly evil ego and we all have a Valentine and it's about just listening to it like embrace the chaos like Mm -hmm. stop living everything on the safe side you know this is like the one opportunity that we have and like everyone just needs to stop playing it so safe and go and do things like quit the job go date a girl or like break up with your boyfriend like you know go buy a sword or like a flamethrower or I don't know like whatever it is for you for me the flamethrower thing keeps coming to mind personally um (laughs) but (laughs) yeah yeah and like the valentine effect itself is like a psychological disorder that I made up that is that whole thing of being obsessed so obsessed with your fear of dying that you're not living Mm -hmm. yeah it's like distracting it's like you're spending so much time preparing for something but then by the time you're ready that thing has already sailed off yeah yeah like people are just so scared of everything like you know even like and like parents can be like this with your kids and I understand you need to be mm-hmm. protected but sometimes being like oh like you know you can't go to this like concert or like go go do like this thing like we don't want you to go like you know like horseback riding or I don't know like whatever it is like painful or something because they're like that might be like slightly unsafe or like people who are like germaphobes so they like won't go out to like events and stuff like Everyone just needs to like embrace the like the Valentine in their head and listen to it. Definitely a limit to how much of this voice you should listen to. Like if it's telling you to like go, you know, set someone's house on fire, I'd probably say maybe, <laughs> maybe don't listen to them around like circumstances like that. But like overall, like I think I think we all need chaos in our lives. I think I, I arguably have often too much chaos with how I function, but I do make it work. It's just quite erratic. Um and yeah. yeah, like if anyone ever asked me like advice or whatever, I'm like more chaos. And I don't even want to define to you what that means because it'll be different for everyone else. But like just more chaos, have more chaos in your lives, like live more. You hear that? I Yessie? love that. I need more yeah. chaos in my life more than I already have. More chaos at Red Rocks this weekend. I want to yes, see the yes. stories. <laughs> we will take tequila shots on your, in your honor. <laughs> all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I love that though. It's like the same concept of like people 
Are you working to live or are you living to work? Like it's that same sort of concept. Anytime someone is like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could go to this festival or I wish I could go travel like you could travel. It's like, if you want it bad enough, you will find a way to make it happen. Exactly. And like, I think that people just are so obsessed with the concept of money. Like money is a currency, yes. But like, what is more valuable than time? And we'll have a limited amount of time. And like, you should be more focused on making the most of the time you have here because that arguably is worth a lot more than money. Like you don't need to have like, you know, an insane mansion and some like, you know, $400,000 car to have like a great life. You can go and buy that ticket and go like hitchhiking around and go and like meet people. Like there's so much stuff you can do that doesn't involve money, but it involves time. And if you're not going to commit the time, if you're going to go work your boring ass job that you hate and dread waking up to every morning, you're going to have money, but like, what is the point if you're not using it to live? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus like that employer can easily replace you. Like if you were yeah. to die today, they can easily replace you the following day. So it's like, why slave your life away at this employer that can easily replace you? That's how yeah. I look at it. Exactly. Exactly. And this is like a huge thing. Like, you know, like people just need to like, not everyone has to leave a legacy behind. Like, Some people want to go and like, you know, take over like the world and do something meaningful. And like, I I feel like I'm definitely in that that world. Like I would love to like really in like 20 years from now know that my catalog and everything I've done has meant something. But also like, if you just want to like chill and like surf every morning and like go live in Bali and like eat bananas and like coconuts and like chill, like that's also perfectly acceptable, but like go and do it then. Don't Mm -hmm, feel like scared that you have to go and work this nine to five and own like three properties or something by the time you're 50 like you know if you want to go like if I you know be like a a touring artist go spend the time in the studio quit your job or and like you know make the move do what you need to do buy the equipment even if it's expensive and if you want to go like just live the bum life like being a surfer like just go and do it yeah I have a similar story Um, so my mom and I, we had a trip, so we traveled to Europe back in 2019 together. And it was so amazing that we were going to do another trip in 2020. And of course, like everything got canceled in 2020. So we're finally (laughs) about to go back to Europe next month. And a couple months ago, like when we were booking it and planning it, she was like, Oh, like, I really think that we should only go for two weeks. Like, I don't know if we should take that much time off work. And I was like, mom, I will literally drop everything tomorrow and go anywhere in the world with you that you want. Like, I don't care what my job says. If they're going to get mad at me for going on a three-week trip to Europe with my mom, then like, I don't even care. You know, I'm going to leave that job. It's just like Mm. priorities. And it's like, you always have to do what fills your heart first and foremost, instead of what society has constructed you to do. A hundred percent. And I think that a lot of us who are in a creative field, like you girls are in a creative field, obviously too. Like overall, we're kind of in the same kind of like world, but just by being creative. Um, I think that there's things that we all could have done that would have made us more successful. Like I know there's things that I could have done and choices I could have made that would have made me further along in my career as an artist. But at the end of the day, I kind of don't regret really anything I've done because it's all been like experiences and I've done a lot of incredibly stupid and questionable things that I thought were great ideas that definitely held me back but like I don't regret them because they're experiences and at the time like it was a great idea and it may not have had the best outcome but it's like I experienced that and I lived it and I'll remember it mm-hmm. yeah and it's like yes he always says don't count failures count lessons yeah oh my god yeah. I, I have just I learned everything the hard way but I almost like 
I don't mind that about myself. I'm very stubborn and like, I'm learning. I'm learning all the lessons because I do everything the hard way to begin with, but then I come back with all the knowledge. Yeah. But also like those failures could potentially be the biggest blessings in disguise. Like I know, Yessi, you, you have a story about the biggest blessing in disguise from recently about your job. Like in the moment you think that getting laid off is like the worst fucking thing in the world. And it seems like that, but then the dust settles and you're like, wow, I would not be here today, six months later in this amazing position that I am. If I didn't go through that. Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> cheers drink. to that. <laughs> <laughs> bottoms up <laughs> I haven't gone to the gym yet so props to you Chrissy I'm gonna no, have to go to the gym after this oh, <laughs> yeah. um I love that I love that you guys like you know are on that tip as well like I know that it's scary and it is scary to like take that step off the deep end but I've been doing it for a long time and I had a lot of disastrous series of events that led to me always just stepping off the deep end to the point where like people around me and like were like you need to like stop taking so many risks but I just I don't regret it like I made some stupid like financial decisions and like career decisions and stuff but I was like I can look back on it and be like I took the risks and I have some absolutely hilarious and absolutely insane and really great memories so I'm like you know I can no, actually like all of them like all of the things they're like they're great and I'd love to look back on them and I have so many like wild and stupid and really funny stories to tell about these times I was like I'm gonna go do this you probably wouldn't be in the same position you are today either without (laughs) making those decisions definitely not so and and honestly I'm really curious to hear like how you got connected with your management group because like obviously there's they're like the big dogs in the scene like how did you like meet them and make that connection uh, I was talking to someone when I went over 2019 who was kind of part of the company who's not there anymore. Um, kind of had a few chats and I was meeting with some other companies and Mo Shalizi, mm-hmm. who's obviously like the head of the company, um, Mo did an Instagram live one day and I joined it and like I just, I'd never even considered meeting with Mo for management because I was like, it's so far out of my league. I'm not even going to bother like messaging this man to see if he might be available in 2019. I'm like, I'm just going to be like realistic. Anyway, so I joined his Instagram live and um, people had been like telling him, I think a few people around and they're like, hey, this like Australian girl is in town and she needs management and she could be like really epic. So I get on the live and most just chatting to people. Um, There's like 3000 people in this live. And I was like, hey, what's up? and he adds me to the live and it was really funny because I was like like, I was sitting in bed um I think I was like naked because I just woke up and opened Instagram like what's going on in this live and he adds me to the live and I've never sprung out of bed faster in my life I like ran (laughs) ran through my apartment tried to find like a hoodie or something and I was like oh my god like what is this like crap in my hair I think I had a face mask in my hair so it looked gross and I was like throwing things around I was like where's like foundation or something and Mo's sitting there and he's like is there a connectivity issue oh my gosh that's your first impression <laughs> anyway so I joined it I just like threw on a hoodie and was like ah, hi hello like, sorry um, it was totally a connectivity issue yeah yeah I told him this, this story afterwards and he thought it was so funny and he was like yeah that was really weird and I was like yeah well I was in bed I wasn't expecting that um anyway we like spoke for a few minutes and then he messaged me afterwards asking to send some demos um and I was with the company um kind of uh we parted ways temporarily for a minute um just kind of shifting around teams and stuff 
Um, always really loved all of them. And my the guy now who I work with closely, I work with Mo, but I mainly work with Stephen Pale. Um, he merged his company with Shalizi Group and um, they called me and were like, hey, we've like got the person. Um, and I got on a call with Steven. Um, and as like, you kind of do with any manager, you kind of like ask a few questions to kind of gauge it. Um, if they'll be like the right fit. And I had a pretty extreme idea. And in like 30 seconds of this call with Steven, um, I was telling him like, what if I want to like walk out on stage with like a sprinkler covered in blood? I was just trying to throw something really erratic at him. And Steven just turned around and he was like, yeah, I know a guy. Um, I also know for, a like, guy. This- yeah, he said it so calmly. There wasn't any like, Lucille, that's too much. Mm-hmm. I know a few meetings I'd had over the last year when I'd mentioned stuff like that, that were like, no, no blood, no, mm-hmm. let, let's, just, let's just turn it down and have some like Play it, flowers or something. Um, and then Stephen was like, yeah, and like, you know, on one of the getter tours, like we had him like a, like a, a rib cage with blood and stuff on the stage that he like walked out of. And I was like, this is my guy. Yeah, like fuck yeah. This is my guy. He's talking about like breaking out of a ribcage or something like that, like a stage build that had like a ribcage on it. And I was just like, this is it. I can't believe it. Hell yeah. Um, so that's the story. It's kind of a funny story. Um, and it's been like absolutely phenomenal. Like, I don't know what other companies are like, but everyone at TSG are like a family. Like, it's every single person like I talked to like the merch guys like the YouTube specialists like they're all really good friends of mine and I get so excited when I see them and everyone's always offering to help and my day-to-day Christina which I think you guys I don't know if you know her I would die for her she's I've I I got a day-to-day manager I got a best friend I got a life therapist (laughs) the therapist (laughs) you need that she's absolutely my therapist she's just like the glue to my life that I didn't know that I needed, but everything makes a lot more sense now that I have her. Like it's, it makes such a big difference as an artist when you have a team that not only backs you, but like, Mm -hmm. they're like your friends. Like I feel like such a team with these guys. Like I message them like every day. I'll be like, I did this on the weekend and I have this idea. And now like, Stephen will be like, I did this to my car. And Christina will like be like, I made this, you know, piece of furniture. And it's just really wholesome. They're like my best friends. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Shout I, out. Shout out the whole Shalizi family. Like they're yeah. all, yeah. I mean, Steven, <laughs> I haven't met him in person yet, but I mean, he seems like a really awesome guy. He's so sure. badass. He's mm-hmm. literally so badass. Steven's like more badass. Like if you, anyone like thinks that I'm badass, Steven's like three tiers higher. Oh damn. He must be God. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> godly to <tier> badass. <laughs> yeah. I also heard some really good advice. Um, so I used to date an artist and we were talking about like what to look for in management and like some of the advice that I heard was like when you're looking for a new manager think of it as like getting into a relationship because I feel like yeah. it kind of is like you're basically dating your manager like obviously not in a romantic way but you talk to them every day like they know the ins and outs of your life like they are your therapist things like that so it's really cool that that kind of stemmed out of such an unexpected moment for you and now you just have this family and now you guys are what three four years down the road and it's really successful yeah um it's it's so special and it's so important and I say this to any of my friends who are like looking for someone like it doesn't even like matter who the company is like it just matters who the people are that you work with but I will say the exception of CSG because the whole team are like literally the best people on the planet I'm obsessed with them 
Um, but like, you know, a manager, like what would be the right analogy of this? I think I say this analogy sometimes when I get the parts mixed up, but essentially like if you're an artist, you are, okay. I feel like I changed this every interview. So I hope no one's watched the other ones where I've said this, but essentially think of your brand. So my brand is Lucille Croft. The music project is Lucille Croft. I'm the driver. The engine is the manager. Mm, I like that. Like it's such there's such a pivotal and important part of the project. They will be the person who you will work with, you know, all your blood, sweat and tears together. Like the manager is such an important force in your project. Um, and like, unless you find the one, like I just say to everyone, like just don't sign with anyone until you, you find the one. Like I self-managed my entire career before I found my team. I went and did like online seminars. I read like an actual book called how to like, how to self-manage for dummies. And it literally was called that. I read a bunch of like blogs and stuff. And I taught myself some basics on like how splits work, how basic contracts work um, and like deals and stuff like that, how to negotiate things. Um, And I think every artist should do that and understand that, that side of things. And, like, I think it's good so you can also hold your manager accountable and, like, make sure that you that they're doing their job. But you also, equally as an artist, you need to be holding yourself accountable and make sure that you're not asking too much of your team. Like, at the end of the day, like, a manager is a manager. Like, an agent is an agent, you know, tool manager. Like, it's a tool manager. And, like, I think sometimes as artists, when things get hectic, we expect a lot more from someone than is actually their role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really an interesting take. Well, also, I mean, it's like if the artist isn't being a leader too, then no one else can follow. Like the artist still has to make sure that they're staying on top of socials, producing good music Mm -hmm. that the managers can pitch out, that they have that creative vision, right? Because like the managers aren't the ones with the creative vision. Like that's all you. So you're the driver. Yeah. But the engine or the heartbeat is really the management team. Yeah, like you have to kind of do the work and then the team can go and take that work and go and bring it all to life. But like they they need they need the car to be moving. Yeah. The car needs to analogy. be existent first. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious to hear your take on this real quick. Like when do you think is a good time for an artist to seek management or do you think you know there's a right time for artists to get management? I would say uh when artists have kind of figured out what they are like you can get a a management like really early on in your career depending on what it is and like how big you are or like what your connections and stuff are I mean that in the sense like if you're someone who's an established artist then you're doing like a new side project or something side project you can obviously go and get someone but like if you're like a brand new artist like super small like no social media following or like a low social media following um, I would say don't go to managers and pitch yourself until you know what you are and what you're pitching. Like so many artists like to say, oh, like I'm not a brand, I'm an artist. And it's like, no, no, you pay taxes. You're a registered company, you're a brand, which is why you need to consider like marketing and creative for everything you do, like tours, releases, everything. You are a business entity. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. You can still be the creative and make cool music and be artistic, but like don't deny that you're a business. And I think for artists who think about that, like you need to know what your brand is, what your concept is, what what you want to do. Like, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to go, you know, 
tour the world and do like Red Rocks and Brooklyn Mirage? Do you want to get into doing like movie scoring? Do you want to like what do you want to do? Um, and I think that's the most important thing. Like people message me all the time, and even a lot of my friends who are doing new projects and stuff, they like reach out to me and be like, "Oh, you know, like do you have a manager recommendation or something?" But I just say to them, like, you can't go to a manager if you don't know what you're giving them. Like, have yeah. like your music ready, your direction ready, like your creative and what your brand is and what you want to do. Ultimately, that's what makes you stand out too, right? Because like that tells the story over time. If you have artwork that kind of has a similar theme for each release and then your tour announcement has a theme as well that fits within your brand. I feel like it all just kind of piles up and it just makes you into like this big brand that's unstoppable because you have a story and a unique identity. Yeah, like you just need to have a cohesive vision for the brand. It's the same thing. Like I have a fashion label and like I've done branding for other stuff. Like if you're you're launching a, a clothing label or if you're launching a company, you make a brand plan. You do like customer research. You think about your logo and like, this is why I love doing creative direction and stuff. Cause I can apply it all to like music stuff as well from like my background. Like if you're making a logo and like the visuals, like the website and stuff, the font you use, like the size of the font where you put the logo and like even the colors you use all mean something in the world of like marketing and branding psychology, like colors mean something to people when they see them and you should be adapting that to your brand as an artist or if you're a clothing label or like a tech company and like you know like I think carefully about the colors I use for each thing and like the fonts and stuff and like maybe a lot of people like wouldn't notice or it wouldn't mean anything to them but like I've put very serious thought and researched what that color means or I've looked at that font and realized like what that represents like whether I'm using you know like some like italic handwritten looking font or something that's like bold or something that's like looking like metal like death metal like like it all yeah. means something and it will adapt thoughts you know to the viewer and then the listener yeah I I do brand management for an engineering and science university here so I maintain their graphic standards guide and make sure that like the logo is applied correctly and that the fonts and the colors are all correct and yes, um, music to my ears. yeah no that all matters <laughs> and like one example that I have just to put it in terms of what people who are listening could understand is like, remember that curls font in Microsoft Word or like Comic Sans or something? If you use that on a show flyer, I feel like no one's going to take that flyer seriously. Whereas if you (laughs) use like a sans serif that's really modern looking and you have it treated in like a bold and a regular weight paired together, I feel like it just does so much more for the look and the tone that you're trying to give off. Even if people see it and they're not like oh that's that's comic sans I don't like it they'll see it and they'll subconsciously (laughs) register it but Mm -hmm. it's all super important at the end of the day like you said it just comes down to the tone of the piece yeah yeah I just think branding is so important and that's why I do create a direction for other artists because like I mean in this day and age it is really frustrating being an artist um because you are an artist you're a creative director you are a graphic designer you put together your visualizers, your videographer, your social media manager, your mm-hmm. marketing expert. Like you're your own lawyer sometimes when you're like trying to read over contracts and stuff before you have a team. It's it's a lot. Like, you know, you're expected to be like posting TikToks and stuff every day and then writing like all these new songs and then getting on the road and touring, posting Instagram content, being funny on Twitter, like Yeah. Uh and then not joking like on Twitter to the point where you got canceled. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a line. Um <laughs> And you've just got to kind of like have it all 
I've totally forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wear many hats, but then yeah. also like you have to understand what each hat entails before you can have other people wear those hats for you. Yes, that's right. And like I was saying before, like you need to like respect that like when you get a manager, your managers, I mean, some managers are really creative and they help drive the project, but it's not their job. Like you can't expect mm-hmm. your manager to be the creative director. And then you can't expect your manager to be like reading over these really serious contracts. Like they can try and do it, but the expectation shouldn't be on them. Like if they're reading like, you know, like a one, like an album deal with a major label, like they might make mistakes on that. So go pay a lawyer or like, don't, Mm -hmm. don't expect them of it. If you're wanting to do like three music videos for like, you know, an album release or an EP, you can't expect your manager to want to write scripts for them, find the people and then direct them all. I mean, if they want to like, sure, but you know, just like, Figuring out what you are as an artist and as, as you grow your project, you can then go and hire people. Like that's what artists who are on like bigger tiers do. They bring in teams so that they can go back to being the artist. When you're starting out, you've got to kind of like raw dog it at all. Raw dog, <laughs> um, yeah. raw dog yeah, baby. You do. You've got to figure it out. Like you have no idea what you're doing. You'll be like, you know, creating like a music video on your iPhone, finding visualizers on the internet. And then as you grow, you like bring in people. So like, you know, I've been brought in for teams to like creative direct them. So if they don't have to worry about stuff like that. I'd make like their artworks for them. I style them for shows, do like mm-hmm. the press shots, do like the music video, like the curation. Um, and, you know, then you hire like a marketing person and like, you know, a lot of artists now have like a TikTok specialist. So they don't have to spend hours yeah, a day trying do. to figure out what the hell yeah. to post on there and like edit it. And I guess you just kind of scale like you would like any company as you get bigger, like you bring in more people. Yeah. And like a final point on that before we move into the lightning round is that I think I read this in a book somewhere. Yes. It might've been the go-giver. Um, they were saying like, you don't see Mozart hauling in his own piano and setting it up and plugging it in. Right. He shows up to play his team, hauls it in, make sure that it's ready to go. And you know, they do the heavy lifting and then he just, he shows up and he plays and, and yeah. So Mm-hmm. yep exactly wow we've been talking for almost a full yeah. hour here oh my god <laughs> we jumped what, is, what is what is this lightning round <gasps> we'll put you on the spot here a little bit no i'm just oh kidding. god i haven't had enough campaign for this this could go it's so like, many ways we yeah. have what probably eight quest eight or nine questions and we just basically say like this or that and then you say this like whatever comes to your mind first and foremost and try not to like go down a rabbit hole on it okay let's go yeah, yeah. Do you prefer playing in Australia or America better? Uh, America. Dif- different markets. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> um, well, since you talked about video games earlier, I'm curious to hear what your favorite video game is. Um, ooh, Bloodborne and the Dark Souls games. Oh, I haven't played those yet. Bloodborne is my favorite. They also made Elden Ring and they made Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, and I'm obsessed. Bloodborne's my favorite game of all time. Ooh, sick. Hell yeah. Have you played Horizon Forbidden West? No, I've played Horizon Zero Dawn. My mom got me onto it. My mom's a massive gamer. Yeah, you should check that out. Is that like in a similar world? I've only played that a little bit. It's like this post-apocalyptic world and you like basically fight these robots who took over the world and try to like save humanity. But yeah, it's like, it's pretty cool. Next question for you. Do you prefer PlayStation, PC, or Xbox? playstation hell yeah pc is strong second playstation girl right here <laughs> gamecube girl right here <laughs> gamecube i i would i could fuck up a gamecube right now some super smash yeah. bros or mario world mario mm-hmm. sunshine mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely okay. uh leather or lace 
Oh, leather. 1000%. That's not we even have a, a song that, that has the word leather in it anyway. So <laughs> we were testing you. Seeing if I'm the real Lucille or like I'd yeah. set up like an AI or something. That, was, that would be sure. a good question to test if I'm me. I could totally see you being an AI. That could be the next character. Um, what is your favorite <laughs> tattoo that you have? God, this changes every day. Um, I am going to currently say, and this literally does change every day. Um, my, can you see that? Ooh, the mm-hmm. shark. Yeah. So these are the Megalodon jaws. This is one of my first tattoos I ever got. I have an insane obsession with sharks and specifically the prehistoric shark, the Megalodon. It was the most alpha, badass predator to ever exist across yes. all history and earth. And these are the Megalodon jaws. And I'm just obsessed with the Megalodon. Yeah, that's sick. Have you ever gone yeah. swimming with sharks? I have. I haven't gone swimming with great white sharks. I've been swimming with like little sharks who are cute and, well, cute. Probably have less teeth. I want to go swimming with great white sharks, but I feel like it would, knowing me, it would be my luck. And I'd like cut myself accidentally and the shark would bite me. Oh no, that's how you <laughs> die. <laughs> but embrace chaos and I'm Here still going to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I went scuba diving with bull sharks in Mexico and that was sick. That, that really would be cool. so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Belize, I really want to do that. Belize is a really, really great spot to go scuba diving with sharks. There were like reef sharks, um, mm-hmm. nurse sharks. So harmless, but it was really, yeah. Cool. I've, I've gone with nurse sharks and that was cool. Yeah. They're very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Some of the people are like, yes, yeah, you're psycho. But like you said, embracing chaos. Mm-hmm. Embrace chaos. I love that. See, you get it. Yeah. The girls yeah. that get it, get it. I, I like that term better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So who would you say are your EDM music best friends? Best friends? Like in the EDM scene. Shit. Um, <laughs> I'm actually friends with the girlies, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with like the guys, but like I like the, my team of girlies. We have like this group and we're all just so supportive of each other. Um, so I'm going to say the girlies and then I'm going to shout out like one or two others. So like the girlies, like, you know, Rossi, Blossom, yes. Hades, like, uh like tiny cat mad girl like this like group of just really thick artists we're kind of all like doing doing relatively similar stuff like nostalgics and stuff and i love them it's really nice when women support women mm-hmm. um there's actually a lot of like very toxic people in this industry who are women like shutting other women down so yeah. giving the girlies a shout out there's like a, yes. many more than i listed but my brain dead today um also going to mention i've been on the abstract tour for the last month and adam has been phenomenal he is the best French man ever. Um, he's been so supportive. Like a lot of the time when you're like supporting an, a bigger artist, like they'll like cut your music a bit. They might cut your visuals and they will tell you like, don't get on the mic. Don't like outperform and don't go hard with your music. So I like mm-hmm. to go hard. I yeah. play techno, drum and bass, break beats, anything that comes to mind that I feel like playing, I will play. And like, if I play a bit of Nine Inch Nails in my sets. Adam has been like, go as hard as you can scream on the mic throw the cdjs mm-hmm. into the crowd whatever you want like this is your show too and it's just been like really fun touring with someone like that who's letting me be myself um and fantastic human so hap gets a shout out mm-hmm. hell yeah those are the best people that you want to surround yourself with in the industry like the people who enable you and let you get inspired and don't put limits on what you can play and stuff like that yeah, I've been lucky with like most of the touring that I've done. Like most of the artists I've supported su- toured with over the years have been like that. Like, you know, like I mentioned like Alenian last year, like he was like that. Uh like 
sudden death jaws like some of the artists that i've toured with or done shows with more recently in america they've all been like that but i had some frustrations definitely earlier in my career with some artists where they're like you have to play this style of music and they'd send me a track list of songs that i couldn't couldn't play and i'm like okay yeah why am i on this (laughs) or like they'll tell you like you can't go past this certain bpm or something like, yeah and it's like have you listened to my music like I used to be before I developed into like the mid-tempo and then the stuff I do now I was hard techno hard oh, techno like yeah. 135 yes. I even played a bit of vinyl like I was like Sven Bath, Marfeld, Detman like raging underground techno and like I got booked for this tour and they were like we want you to play like upbeat commercial house music and I was like okay so like why'd you book me <laughs> why did you book me <laughs> No one enjoys it then. Have you heard my music? Like, yeah, no, (laughs) make it make sense. They're like, oh, we want to have a female act on it. And I'm like, yeah, you can book someone else. Like, Mm -hmm. I want techno. Um, Anyway, are there any more questions? I'm loving these. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's see. Okay. If you could play any main stage in the world, what festival or what stage would it be? That's a really good question. I feel like that's one you kind of have to prep for, but. (laughs) <laughs> so many so many different things are coming to mind like you know i guess like edm would world would be like tomorrowland or something like that or like ultra or something but now i'm thinking of stuff like coachella or like yeah burning man not that burning man has a main stage mm-hmm. and i haven't been but like i want to do something really weird or like i want to headline like an alt festival that has like rock and metal and then i want to go in as like a, an act like the prodigy who like fuses like that with my electronic and just go get up there and be like a one woman band and like fuck shit up so I don't have a specific answer because I haven't caffeinated my brain enough to answer that. It's something. Okay. I could see you having a super cool like float at Burning Man based on your brand with like you being Project X or Patient X or something. Right? Right? Yeah. That would be amazing. Or even like Tomorrowland. I think that'd be super cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm like, Tomorrowland is very high up on my bucket list. I would love to do Tomorrowland. And even like, you know, I played Ultra this year. Like, I'd love to like, um, I have my eyes on the worldwide stage where I can like bring a, like a kind of a live show and get more into like my techno roots and um, all the big stages and all the big festivals so I can go and play my weird blood rave sex dungeon music and seduce and destroy the world because that is my tagline. <laughs> you heard yes. it here first, folks. <laughs> all right a couple a couple more here but yeah I, i'm okay. loving i'm loving this so far <laughs> i love this uh what is one country you want to play in that you haven't yet germany Ooh, okay speaking of festivals though perukaville in germany would be a sick one to play oh my god yeah that one looks insane um uh, germany is really high up on my list i'm hoping to get over to europe later this year and I'm very excited for it Yes. Ooh, Boots House Europe would be tour. sick too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That pyro that like shoots off from the ceiling. Like, have you seen that? Right? It's crazy. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> that would I not fly by play. here. <laughs> I'm I'm changing the subject for a second. Talking of pyro has me thinking about other things. What I'm really trying to see right now, and I'm probably going to need a bit of a high budget for it, I would actually like to add a flamethrower to my shows. So like, okay. instead yeah, of me like order. just having like the pyro go off, I want to be holding it and like, not roasting the crowd, but I want to be like shooting fire like over them. Like, you know who is one of my biggest inspirations? Ramstein. Oh wow. Wow. Ramstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Um 
I'm obsessed. Like the singer used to have this giant dick and they've kind of made it like less of a dick now because it's 2023. And like, I think it, it was a bit upsetting to some people, but they <laughs> toured with this giant and I mean, giant dick that he'd ride like, like a rodeo. Um, and it would shoot confetti and like, oh, or like wow. foam stuff. It's like, come <laughs> on to the crowd. No. But I'm telling you, like, look it up on YouTube. It's one of the coolest things. And I see it. I see it on Google. Pussy. <laughs> it's yeah. like, he's just shooting stuff out of a gigantic, like, cock or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And he just, he'd ride it. I would just shoot foam over the crowd on the drop. And yeah. I was like, like, that's the level of production I want. Like, he has like something that looks like, I swear he's got like army level tech in his production. I swear he has like mini like rocket launchers and shit. Like it's it's so insane, and that's exactly what I want. He definitely has a flamethrower. He's got I multiple yeah. flamethrowers. I could see he you is, holding like, this flamethrower and just yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the goal: flamethrowers. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of these Australian, this Australian hard dance group. <laughs> they go by GPF. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're they're insane. They're a little they're way out of pocket. It's called like greasy pussy fuckers, basically. <laughs> and they literally they'll blow up a bunch of dick inflatables and they'll throw them in the crowd during their sets. And everyone's just like holding up dick inflatables in the crowd. And they're like, and it's like up tempo. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy, crazy up tempo. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. It's, it's really pretty cool. it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> but that's like their gimmick, you know. That, that would be something to see for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have two more questions for you. What is your most embarrassing moment that has happened on stage? Uh, probably when I was wearing these platform boots that were given to me by brand and they were like samples because they hadn't been released yet. I was so excited. I was obsessed with these boots. Uh, I was playing a show in Sydney and I was like jumping and like dancing around. The show was going unbelievable it was like one of the best gigs ever that I played at this point in my life and I jumped and it turns out the platform shoes that they sent me were faulty so it snapped off and I rolled my ankle mid-set and I'd had a few drinks and I got up and I was like I got the mic I'm like I think I just broke my ankle and the crowd were like yeah so I was like (laughs) okay I'll keep going and I was on like one foot and my ankle started swelling up by the time I got off my ankle was so big and I'd like sprained my ankle really badly but I had so much adrenaline and the crowd thought it was like, that was so hype. And I was like, guys, I think I just like broke something. And they were like, yeah, keep going. And I was like, okay, yeah. I will. Oh. I like this energy. Yeah, How I was going to say, you probably was... didn't even feel it because of the adrenaline. Yeah, but like, it wasn't like embarrassing to anyone but me. Like the crowd didn't really like, see me like clumsily like go flying. Like I was just dancing around and I just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sound guy next to me witnessed the whole thing and he like, fell out of his chair laughing after he realized that was okay um and that oh wow that was that is a very embarrassing thing but very funny that's a good memory yeah right there. <laughs> not the best yeah for the i was brand, in a moon boot for but... like seven weeks <laughs> you were in a yeah. mo- oh um a boot yeah i was in a moon boot i was in like one of those boot things a moon boot uh oh, for like seven eight weeks it was it was a bad sprain god damn yikes yeah wait so how far were you into your set did you still have a long way to go when you i think i had 45 minutes left i think it was like an hour and 15 and i was Uh, just hopping around on one side and i was still like dancing around with one foot which went miraculously well because i'm actually very clumsy so like me with one foot is a recipe for disaster so it would have been very funny to watch if you were in the crowd for that because i'm just very unbalanced very uncoordinated 
I'd lost a foot. Mm-hmm. I was on one foot and I was wearing platforms, which were probably faulty as well on my left foot, the one that was still going. And it just could have like, it could have happened again. And it just would have been really funny if you were watching it because I was probably like dancing around and like not overly balanced. Um, <laughs> but it, it was a great time and it was a great show. Yeah, you probably looked the like next you had morning one too many. horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One and too I many tequila drinks. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning thinking like, oh, it's not so bad. I'll just put a bit of ice on it. And it was just it was not good. That's, that's probably the best embarrassing stage story, right? I mean, calling mm-hmm. the crowd the wrong city is embarrassing, but it's not that embarrassing, right? I haven't done that. But I, I like always double check, especially in America. And I'm learning that you guys have like different ways of saying stuff. Like I call things cities. Like I've been arguing with someone today um, about Houston. So I'm saying Houston. They're like, it's Houston. <laughs> um, so Houston. it's like little things like that. And when I was in Washington, D.C., I was going to get on the mic and be like, what's up, Washington? And everyone there was like, you can't call them Washington. You have to say Washington, D.C. Like they will find it offensive. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Americans, they'll get, they'll find any reason to get upset over any little thing. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. If you were in Australia and you were like, what's up? I don't know. If you like, if you were in Australia and you referred to us as a different country, we would riot. <laughs> We'd be oh, so offended. Um, but in a fun way. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> that's a funny story. Okay. Well, final question here. Uh, what is your pre-show routine? um I do a full skincare routine I listen to um I like to at the moment I'm listening to Apex Twin depending on what the show is and what what my mood is I find the right artist and I listen to them for like two hours get myself in the mood get myself in the character and sometimes I need to listen to different artists to become Lucille Croft for the night um I do a full skincare routine I like put on like my little like sheet mask I do some yoga um and then I go into the venue and I do like one or two tequila shots. Usually I won't like drink after that, but I'll go in, get amped up and I'll like eat a bunch of pickles because pickles are now on my rider and I'm obsessed with pickles. I did, I had no obsession with pickles until I moved to America. Huh. Pickles aren't like <laughs> exciting in Australia and here they're, they're really exciting. Um, we, we have so like I go 50 there and different I kinds. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so I've like got like four jars of pickles in my fridge at any given time. So I go and smash some pickles you know, do my skincare, have some tequila, and I get up and I'm like, yeah, let's let's go. Let's rage. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we have like three pickle bars here in Denver. So people pickle will bars. go there to pregame or stay the night there. Basically, like you have pickles. They post bars? the whole night. Oh literally, God. like there's different like flavored pickle shots. I'm not a fan of pickles, but if I'm really drunk, like I have to be really drunk and just like feeling very adventurous that night. And feeling chaotic okay take a pickle shot because i'm not a fan of pickles <laughs> i've never had a pickle shot uh it sounds like i have to come to denver mm-hmm. yes yeah, ma'am <laughs> yeah oh, we have you do. places to show you we'll get high and we'll go adventure yes edibles and pickles yes ma'am. and tequila oh yeah <laughs> can we can we please go to the pickle bar i've never heard of that you know what i really want to try and i'm seeing it all over tiktok it's this thing called a, a chamoy pickle a giant red pickles that you put like it looks like you put on like sour um chamoy is like the chamoy is like the red sauce if that's what you're talking about 
Yeah, I don't even know what the sauce is, but people make these chumoy pickles. You can actually order them on Amazon. And they look like juicy, like gummy pickles that are like sou- like sweet and sour or something. I don't know because I haven't had one before. And I just want to like sink my teeth into a giant chumoy pickle. They're red. And you like yeah. put like, like, I don't know, like sugar powder stuff on them. And like you put like little snake things in them. Okay. I'm seeing it. They sell them at Walmart, apparently. It says chamoy pickles from the TikTok chamoy pickle kit. Yeah. And then you buy a full <laughs> kit with like those little sauces and stuff and you put them on it. I don't know what any of them are. Like, I don't even know what chamoy sauce is, but That's I'm dying hilarious. to have a chamoy pickle. We'll have that waiting for you when you come. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, I'll right now. <laughs> well, chamoy, yeah, it's like the, it's this Mexican red sauce. And I always pour that in like my chips because I just need hot sauce on everything. I'll pour that on my chips. Sometimes I'll even put it in my popcorn because I love hot sauce in my popcorn. <laughs> like I'm that is like weird. That. Yeah. Yeah. I need spice. I like that. You're like, I need you're spice on bit, everything. Like, literally. You're a little it's, bit dark. It's the Mexican Putting hot sauce on popcorns. Like you're a little bit twisted. <laughs> yeah. You got some demons, uh, girl. I do. Yeah. I do. It's, but, it's a, it's a Hispanic panic, you know? <laughs> I love that. Meanwhile, I put ranch on everything. Cause I'm a white girl. I love ranch. <laughs> um, I put, I put lemon on everything. Okay. Lime. Yeah. Lime for me. Yeah. Same thing. I don't know what, yeah. I don't know if I have like a signature sauce thing. And I feel like I'm going to have to like go up to my fridge and like really stare in there and like have a serious think about what my signature sauce is. Because you guys have a signature sauce and I don't think I have one. And I think that I, I should have a sauce in life. Like, so next time we do a lightning round, it's like, what's the sauce? You know, you're on a deserted island. Like what sauce? Like, I feel like you'll be say like the chamoy sauce. You'll say ranch. And I'm going to be like, Lemon juice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pickle sauce. I lemon juice. Pickle juice. Oh, I wanna... Pickle juice. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> is there such thing as pickle flavored ranch? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. <laughs> yes, on, ma'am. Goes oh, on yeah. Amazon. <laughs> Hidden Valley sells it at Walmart. It's only $4.88. <laughs> okay, great. That's what I'm doing tonight. Um, pickle flavored ranch would be like my my thing for deserted island, I think. Okay. Yeah, we'll have that waiting for you, like I said. Chamoy pickles, pickle ranch. What else? Tequila. And tequila. Yeah. yeah got Some Clase Azul or 1942. Mm. I wouldn't say no to either of those. <laughs> yeah, right? On that note, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know that we haven't talked about? Um, I feel like I've revealed my deepest darker secrets, you know, my embarrassing moments, my extreme love for sauces and pickles, my new music. Um, I think we kind of covered a lot. We did. Yeah. An hour, yeah. An hour and 15 <laughs> minutes. Goddamn. <laughs> That was fun, though. That was a great conversation, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest. You're welcome. This was so much fun. Yes. I, yeah, like Chrissy said, you know, we discovered you when you dropped your Patient X project. So we've been, actually, I remember I reached out to Steven about a year ago after that whole Patient X project dropped to try to get you on a podcast. And I was like, one day we will get her on this podcast and we'll, we'll just shoot the shit. <laughs> we just had to and, week. And we yeah. happened and talked about pickles and tequila. Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go upstairs and actually go eat some pickles as soon as we get off this call. 